Hi, everybody, and welcome to the NFL Road Show with Lindsay Rhodes and a few different guests here to talk about the big game on Sunday, just a few days away now. And it feels like it's shaping up to be such a good game. I'm hoping that we can get through it without any major weather because that would be a massive bummer. I just want to see these guys play straight up, find out what happens then. And it looks like that should probably be the case with maybe a little bit of rain during the game. There was some talk about a thunderstorm, but it sounds like that's more likely to pass through Tampa in the morning. Anyway, both teams, very good. And we'll talk to two people who know that firsthand, Josh Norman and Demario Davis, who played this year for the Bills and Saints, respectively. Bills played Kansas City twice. Saints also played Kansas City. And of course, they played the Bucks three times. So I'm interested to hear what they think is likely to happen in the game. Josh and Demario are also very good friends who have done some incredible things together off the field. Demario is a Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee this year, and we'll find out if he is the Walter Payton Man of the Year on Saturday at NFL Honors. But really, both of them are just super interesting people, and I can't wait to talk to them together in just a bit. First, though, Warren Sharp from Sharp Football Analysis has done a massive deep dive on the game, collecting tons of data, which he turned into a 55-page document that I have been reading for uh, literally the last three days, very slowly, very carefully to make sure that I fully understand his points. Uh, Essentially, he ran all the numbers for both teams. He tracked the tendencies and patterns and ultimately came up with what he thinks the teams should do to have the best chance to win. And he is going to share some of those things with us right now. So let's go ahead and break the huddle. Hi, Warren. So I love the document. I learned a ton. It felt very much like the kind of document that you would maybe give a team if you were consulting for them, right? Yeah, very much so. Um, Some of the things where I give some advice, I'm a little bit more direct when I get to the team reports. I'm a little bit more specific even when I'm doing reporting for the team. Now, weeks one, two, three, there's not as much confirmation on these numbers. So I'm a little bit less specific, like you should be doing this. Uh, But as the season progresses, I have a little bit more confidence in the data and the numbers. And at that point, I give a little bit more specific and direct recommendations and advice. And certainly by the time you get to the Super Bowl, there's, there's as much information as we're ever going to get in one season this is a small sample size sport. The NFL, there's not a lot of games. There's not a lot of plays compared to basketball and baseball. You have to be willing to give up a little bit of the prerequisite requirements that you might have is to have, I need this many plays or this much data, but here, this is the best that we've got. These are the most actionable takeaways. I think that we will have at any point in any season. And this is available to read on your site, correct? If somebody listening wanted to do a deep dive of their own and check it all out. Yeah, if you want it, I'm going to try to share as much as we can with you right now. But if somebody wanted to go through and read the 55 pages, it's up at (laughs) sharpfootballanalysis.com. I will say that um, one one of my buddies, he was, I sent it to him and he's like, all right, I'm going to sit down and check it out. Uh, I said, all right, I'll check back with you in about an hour. I called him in an hour. He said, I'm through the table of contents right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing he told me is like, what size font did you use? I said, I use size 10. Why? He said, well, you know, the standard size 12. I said, well, if I use size 12, it would have been 70 pages then. But I think next year I should go a little bit 
larger font just to make it easier for people to read. But then, you know, the 70 pages feels a little daunting too. Not that 55 pages doesn't. Anyway, I don't know that you're selling this to people. Uh, you're, you're kind of underselling it. This is really good data. So yes, if you're a casual sports fan and you just want to sit and watch the Super Bowl and, you know, pick a team to root for and enjoy the commercials and stuff like that, this is not the document for you. But if you really, really want to understand what both teams uh, are doing and why they might be doing it, then this is, it, it made me feel much, much smarter, which is always my goal. So I'm going to annoy everyone that I'm with at my Super Bowl party, which is going to consist of my children and my husband. So perfect. Um, okay. So the document does not straight up say this, but my takeaway from it, reading it, was I'm sort of starting at the end and working our way back that you walked away thinking that the Chiefs have a better chance to win. Is that correct? I do simply because I believe that more of what the Chiefs naturally do, just here's what we would prefer to do in a game, is going to allow them to have higher success. Whereas with the Buccaneers on both the offensive specifically, but a little bit on the defensive side of the ball, I think they need to change up a little bit more. Now, normally I would say, well, that's not that big of a deal. These are minor tweaks. It's uh, Most of the things, as you saw in the Bucs section, the recommendations for what I think that they should be doing isn't really too divergent from what they typically do. It's just, you know, use more play action with this personnel grouping or choose to pass the ball a little bit more here. Like these are things that are simple to do. I'm not suggesting, hey, Tom Brady, you should run quarterback sneaks a lot because of this, or you should, you know, right. do do a lot of things that they don't normally do. But the problem with what we've seen is Bruce Arians and these guys, they, they don't, they haven't really changed enough. They showed us is almost better, Lindsay, if they had never shown us the little glimpse from week 14 to 17 where they started doing more first down passing and play action and higher pre-snap motion rates because then we would have thought, oh, they're completely oblivious to this the whole time. But they showed us this glimpse that, hey, we might be able to do this stuff, but then they took it all away from us in the playoffs and they've been playing the same style that they played the first 14 weeks of the season. And that doesn't make any sense to you at all. I don't understand why they would choose to intentionally. I mean, the, at the core of this, it's why are we putting Tom Brady in third downs more often? Because we want to run the ball. This is what they're doing. They want to run the ball on first down. I'm not quite sure if it's a time of possession type thing, but they go the most pass heavy of any team in the NFL on second and third down. They're at an 80% pass rate. No other team on second and third down comes close to hitting the pass rate that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have. But for whatever reason, they choose to run the ball extremely predictably in the first quarter on first downs. And we saw how it almost cost them early in that game against the Green Bay Packers. The only thing that saved them in that game was Tom Brady being absolutely brilliant, converting on these third downs. I think he had five or six third down passes and he converted all of them on that first drive that eventually led to a third down touchdown to Mike Evans in the back of the end zone to take a seven, nothing first quarter lead against the green Bay Packers. But this absolutely is a team that with a couple of minor tweaks could see their upside just rise tremendously and that's the thing that frustrates me a little bit you know people say well they're in the super bowl they've won all these games why why would you be 
criticizing them. Well, it's because they could do a couple more things and get even better. And as an analyst, what we're always searching for is how to make a team the best that they can be. Not being satisfied with what's good enough to get a win because they got a lot of turnovers against the Saints. or the, you, you can't count on that. You now have to go up against Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. The toughest opponent that you're going to have to face, the hardest game of the season for you, you need to maximize efficiency every way possible. Yeah, and that was definitely my takeaway from all of the things and the various points that you made about them was that like, yes, their offense is very good, but they kind of get where they're going in the least efficient way possible. So why would you back yourself into those corners? You don't want to put, why put Tom Brady in the third down situation? He's brilliant. He can get out of it uh, maybe more often than not, but why put him in the position where that is something that he needs to do on a regular basis? On the flip side, and we'll get back to Tampa Bay, Kansas City was a little bit more clear-cut, it felt like. These are the things that they should do, and the likelihood of them doing it feels relatively great with regard to what we've seen them do in the past. And the first thing that you said is that they need to throw the ball and just flat-out abandon the run. Just don't even try to do that. And that's so, so it cuts against what, you know, old school philosophy would be the biggest game of the year. We got to come out and impose our will upon this other team and run the ball and establish a lot of balance on the ground. But the reality is this Kansas city team this season has gone way more pass heavy than they even did last year down the stretch last year, the 2019 season, they were pass heavy. The first seven weeks switched much more to a balanced approach. It still was 60% pass but that's that was lower than what they were to start the season. And that's how they started this year with a more 60% pass on early downs the first three quarters. Uh, they were kind of slowly working their offense in, but it was a game midseason against the New York Jets where they won 38-3 to and they really cranked it up from a passing rate perspective. And they pretty much stayed at that rate. They hit an 80% pass rate against these Bucks in Week 12 when they played them earlier this season on early downs the first three quarters. It's their highest pass rate of the season and most coaches are going to be faced with this every coach even Andy Reid is faced with this dilemma we are dealing with a really jumbled up offensive line our starting left tackle was left the game now we're moving our right tackle over to the left tackle we're moving our right guard to right tackle we're adding these new components in right before the Super Bowl they've never played together like this should we just take things easy on ourselves and run the ball a little bit more here. They've got such a good defense overall. You know, we don't want to drop Patrick Mahomes back that often, but a couple of things that I think are going to stand out to Andy Reid and convince him to keep throwing the football. Number one is the fact that their run defense of Tampa Bay is so good and your run offense is merely Eh, compared to your pass offense, why would you want to try to go that route? It's much more efficient to pass the ball. I think they're going to take shorter drops to start the game, get the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands quicker. Then once Andy Reid gets a sense as to how his tackles are picked uh, picking up the pass rush, then maybe we can drop Patrick Mahomes back a little bit deeper in the second quarter or the third quarter. But at the first bit of this game, I think we're going to see a really controlled quick passing game. Um, but secondly, look at what Todd Bowles would want you to do. I think you always, if you're an offensive play caller, approach the game from a perspective, what does that defense want me to do? And I can guarantee you what Todd Bowles is saying here is not 
wow, they've got a weakened offensive line, so I hope they're going to drop back and Patrick Mahomes is going to throw the ball a lot. No, Todd Bowles is saying, I hope they hand the ball off a ton during this game so Patrick Mahomes doesn't have the ball in his hand. I'd much rather have my great run defense go against their running backs than have Patrick Mahomes dropping back a ton. And if you have Patrick Mahomes dropping back a ton, what else does that do? Same thing that happened to San Francisco in last year's Super Bowl. That pass rush gets worn down by the fourth quarter. And so you can wear those guys down a little bit if you pass the ball a lot early in this game. So, and also there's evidence that the path to having success against this Tampa Bay defense, just outside of the fact that you are Kansas city and passing the ball is what you do uh, best. Other teams that have passed the ball at a rate that was uh, more frequent than they typically have. Those are the teams that have had success against this Tampa B Tampa D this season, the, the bears and the Rams both increased their, uh, throw percentage by like 20 percentage points in the games that they beat them. So it seems like outside of Kansas City and the fact that this is what you do well, this is specifically the path to beat Tampa Bay. Absolutely. Great observation by you. Uh, no doubt about it. The way they only played, aside from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers playing the Kansas City Chiefs once earlier, they've only played two other teams that utilize a high pass rate on average during the season. But the only team that actually used it during the game was the first game against the Atlanta Falcons when Atlanta took a 17 to nothing lead. In the second time they played Atlanta, it was week 17. And I have no idea why Atlanta went with a completely run heavy approach. It was the most mind-blowing play calling that I have seen looking back on it. And then you add the Washington football team who they played the very next week in the wild card round. But that was a team that was passing the ball a ton with Alex Smith. Quick passing, get the ball out of his hands quickly. But now you don't have Alex Smith. You've got a backup of a backup quarterback in there right now because Alex Smith is still hurt. And so they ran the ball at a much higher rate. And so you really only played two games against teams that entered with high pass rates. And that was the first game against Atlanta and the game against Kansas City. And you alluded to the only two other times that I noticed over the course of the season that a more run-heavy team decided to let's go more pass heavy against this Bucks. The Bucks have a great run defense. Let's throw the ball at a much higher rate than we normally do. And those were the other two times that Tampa Bay lost games. And so this really is the style of approach. And that's why it meshes so well with what Kansas City likes to do. Style of approach is to increase your pass rate against the Bucks defense to eliminate their strong run defense from affecting the outcome of this game. Um, and we've seen that have a lot of success. Okay, so then if we agree that the Chiefs should, uh, you know, abandon the run and just do what you do well and throw it like crazy, how do they keep the defense off balance with that? How, how, what are some ways they can do that? Yeah, they've, they're going to have to use a lot of play action and pre-snap motion. The pre-snap motion is what takes place before the snap. It's the movement of Tyreek Hill down the line or Mecole Hardman. It's it's helping the quarterback get a sense as to was the defense playing man or zone. We know Todd Bowles is going to try to switch things up. Uh, we know that last go around, uh, they played a lot of middle of the field closed coverage, which means there's a single high safety in the back. You don't normally see that on the TV copy, but there's this one safety that's standing back in the middle of the field. Kansas City destroyed that coverage. When the Chiefs 
uh, we're going up against middle of the field open, which means that there's two safeties, two high safety coverage. Um, they had a lot more difficulty dealing with that. So I expect Todd Bowles to switch things up and change things around for Patrick Mahomes to create a little bit of confusion. But the way that you can gain an insight before the snap as to what that defense is doing is to use this pre-snap motion, move guys around. And Kansas City uses some of the highest rates of that. And then you follow that with a little bit of play action, give the illusion of a run, force those linebackers to think, oh, I might have some, some run protection here. I've got to do something else. I can't just drop back in coverage. Maybe there's a responsibility. So you put those guys into conflict with them thinking that there could be a run. And the Kansas City Chiefs are so good when they use pre-snap motion and play action on a single play. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense is extremely bad when other teams use that. But so far in the playoffs, not a single opponent that the Bucs have faced have used even one snap of pre-snap motion with play action on the same play. And, and it's a clear-cut weakness of this defense, and I think that that's going to provide a big edge for Kansas City here. That, to me, was one of my biggest takeaways from reading your whole document because it seems like this is something that the Chiefs do quite frequently. They do it on 28% of their pass attempts this season um, and had a lot of success on those plays, and the Bucks are not good at it. And it just seems mind-boggling to me that that's not something that somebody's tried to do against them in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I mean, this is the type of thing when I'm looking at these uh, opponents, I'm studying this every single week, right? Like if I'm working for a team or consulting, I'm saying, how do they do against pre-step motion? How do they do against play action? Is it isolated by down distance? What about when you use play action and target a wide receiver versus a tight end? I'm, I'm looking at all the different elements of this to try to find whatever edges that we can we can isolate here. And uh, I'm a little bit surprised that none of those uh, prior three opponents chose to use it um, whatsoever. In some cases, some teams don't use that very much. Like it's not really a, a foundation of their offense, but in other cases, there's a little bit of those elements that teams would ordinarily use. And for whatever reason, uh, perhaps they thought that the pass rush would get to the quarterback too much if they try to use play action, because it does take an extra split second to stick the ball in the court, in the running back's belly and then pull it out. So maybe they thought that was going to allow the edge pressure to get to the quarterback, but for whatever reason, they chose not to look at this and to try to incorporate it. And I think we're going to see hopefully a lot of it in this Super Bowl. You mentioned the injuries on the offensive line there for the Chiefs. How much of an issue do you expect that to be? The good thing is that these are well understood by the Kansas City Chiefs. The good thing is that you've got a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes. The question mark that I have, however, Lindsay, is how is his toe? And mm. I think his toe is going to be okay here, but it is a question. I think that there's a massive benefit though in this Super Bowl that's not getting enough discussion. And that is the simple fact that where is Kansas City right now? They're still sitting at their house. And where are they going to be tomorrow? They're still sitting at their house. They don't leave to go to Tampa until Saturday. We've never seen that before. We've never seen the visiting team go to the Super Bowl the day before the the Super Bowl, at least not in recent memory, right? Like maybe back years ago when yeah. football wasn't being analyzed like this, but we have not seen that. And what that allows Patrick Mahomes to do 
is to not have to be standing on his toe, to not have to be doing all the media day stuff. He's just sitting at a desk in the team facility talking on Zoom. So much treatment, getting getting treatment. He can have something. He can have an ice pack. He can have a heating pack on his toe while he's doing all of this. And nobody would be the wiser. Right. And so there's so many benefits for Patrick Mahomes to continue to get all of this treatment at home. I think it's a massive difference in this game that's going to help his toe be as close to 100 percent as possible. And that is going to help him with this pass rush because there is no doubt this offensive line is worse than what it was earlier this season. And there is no doubt it's going to play a role in this game. Patrick Mahomes inevitably is going to be under pressure more than he would have if this offensive line was healthier. But the good thing about Patrick Mahomes is he thrives under pressure. He's his his performance under pressure is better than almost every single other quarterback's performance without pressure. So it's ridiculous how night and day different he is than other quarterbacks when they're pressured. And one of the reasons in the report, it shows um, a heat map, like a scatter plot of where Patrick Mahomes has released the ball from the pocket this season when he's passing the football. And, you know, some people out there might be able to get a, build a better picture of this. If we use a analogy to basketball, it's the equivalent, like Tom Brady is the guy who is always standing at the foul line, shooting his free throws. Like that's where he takes his jumpers. He's just a guy who just posts up at the free throw line and shoots all of his shots right around the free throw line. Defenses know that this is where this guy's going to be. This is where he's shooting the ball from. Patrick Mahomes is the guy who's got scatter plot all around the three-point line. He's from one baseline to the other. He's at the top of the circle. He's everywhere shooting threes and he's nailing them. That's where he is. You don't know where he's going to be. Tom Brady's always going to be in a certain area. That's why pressure up the middle really gets to him because he doesn't move around nearly as much. Patrick Mahomes is all over the place. There's highlights from last game um, where Patrick Mahomes, which actually it was two weeks ago, where Patrick Mahomes is literally backpedaling. He gets a shotgun snap. He's already five yards deep. He's backpedaling an additional seven yards and he throws the ball backpedal 20 yards, total accuracy right over a linebacker's head, right before the cornerback is able to tackle the wide receiver. I mean, this guy is pinpoint accuracy. So his toe needs to be close to hundred percent because I do feel like he's going to be moving around a ton in the pocket. The other element though, that I think is going to factor in here, Lindsay is that last game against the bills, they didn't get a lot of pressure on Mahomes. The tackles were in a better situation as well. The line was a little bit stronger. So Mahomes had time in the pocket to throw the ball. Here, I think he is going to be flushed more often, which is going to make it so that he scrambles more up the field and he uses his feet a little bit more to gain yards. It's something he's done all of his career. He does it more often in high leverage situations where it tends to benefit the team the most. He's not typically doing that on like a first or second down. He's waiting to do it on a third down or a key situation, two minute drill or something like that. But I think him running the football is going to be a big factor here as well. Some other things that you mentioned in terms of ways to combat the pressure, you suggested that they throw medium or long on second down, not short for a very specific reason. Why is that? The linebackers are so good. I'm I'm interested to see what Levante David does. Um, His hamstring could be a key element in this game because his hamstring, not quite 100%. I saw a quote from him. Now it was Tuesday 
didn't sound all that optimistic, like that, that it wasn't going to be a factor whatsoever. Now he is practicing on a limited basis. He says he's trusting the training staff, but he's a key factor. He's already struggles against pass coverage, but these passes that are shown thrown short of the line of scrimmage, these guys rally so well and their defensive line, their edge pressure, those guys, the left defensive end, right defensive end, they're really good at getting after and tackling passes that are thrown short of the line of scrimmage. And you got the linebackers flying around as well. Safeties are really overly aggressive for Tampa Bay. So that's why those short passes don't work nearly as well. But passes beyond the line of scrimmage in this little area, like three, four, five yards down the football field, especially some of the shorter stuff to Tyreek Hill. I'm curious to see how that works out because, you know, Todd Bowles was completely destroyed by the by Tyreek Hill in that first game. And he made a comment. Destroyed. Totally. I mean, it was ridiculous. Just the first. But he did adjust. Right. I mean, he definitely he definitely made some adjustments there. But I do think that they're going to start this game with the knowledge gained from before. And I saw the secondary coach for the Bucks come out and say that you don't really you can watch this guy on film, but you don't really know how quick this Mm -hmm. man is until you're on the field lining up against him. And they underestimated Tyreek Hill's speed a little bit to start that first game. They're not going to make any of those mistakes in this game, but what you're going to get perhaps is more opportunities. This guy's so quick off the line, get him off the line. Some of these quick passes, he hit one against Buffalo where he caught it, you know, four yards, three yards down the field, and then just made some moves. And all of a sudden, before you know it, he's at the three yard line. It's like a 50, 50 yard pass gain. He just caught the ball three yards down the field. So, so don't underestimate his speed, uh, no single high safety. Um, and those are some of those adjustments that we can look for on the defensive side of the ball is for the offense for Tampa Bay. As we mentioned, they've been good. They can be better. One of the ways that we've already touched on, maybe run less on first down, put the ball in Tom Brady's hands, which is why you brought him down there. Um, More play action is another thing that you pointed out that you think that they could have a lot of success with. No doubt about it. Uh, most teams get worse when you use play action against them. And this that's certainly true with the Kansas City Chiefs and that defense of Steve Spagnuolo is going to pull out a lot of tricks. I mean, that's one of the cool things about this game. Not only do you have two great quarterbacks and 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 at least one really great offensive play caller that's really aggressive in Andy Reid. But you also have two really creative and unique defensive coordinators that have a lot of experience and they're going to be able to pull out some different tricks and keep the offense guessing. And that's the only thing that you've got over an opposing offense in the modern NFL is to do something different, do something that the offense can't predict. But one thing that most defenses react to is play action. And the Kansas City Chiefs react poorly to play action. Tampa Bay has a great play action game, but the data clearly shows that they don't use it nearly enough. And if they just increase their usage of play action, even a lot of people get over where, oh my God, you're talking about a 10% increase in play action. They would never do that. Let's break it down. We're literally talking about like one more play out of 10. It's not that big of a deal, but I would love them to use it even more than 10%, but let's at least try to incorporate it a little bit more often. And specifically, they line up in 12 personnel, which is two tight ends and two wide receivers out on the football field. And I detail it in the report, the splits between using 12 personnel to pass the ball without play action versus with play action are absolutely night and day. Couldn't be for any the more bucks different. or in general for the league for the, the bucks specifically in this, in, 
on the course of the season, they are so much better when they pass the ball from 12 personnel using play action. Now, 12 personnel inherently gets opposing defenses to get into heavier personnel themselves to defend it. And most of the time, teams are going to be running out of 12 personnel. You know, 11 personnel is three wide receivers. Teams are thinking pass. Defenses are thinking pass. But when you put an extra tight end and pull off a wide receiver, a lot of times defenses are thinking run. And so when you pass the ball on a standard drop back with no running back in the backfield and you're not using play action from 12 personnel, it, it really doesn't create that conflict for the defense. But when you have a running back back there and you stick it in his belly and then pull it out, those linebackers have run way up the field thinking we got to stuff this run. These guys are definitely running the ball. We thought that they were going to run it before the snap because of their personnel. We think that they're going to run it after the snap because they're sticking the ball in this running back's belly. They're playing the run completely. And now you've got a lot of space behind those linebackers that is now opened up. All the angles have changed on the football field, much more efficient to use play action with 12 specifically for the Bucks offense this year. And they just don't, don't use it enough. I, I don't know why, but they really needed to. Uh, also have an interesting bit of advice for the Bucks when it comes to beating Spags and his pressure specifically with regard to Tom Brady and maybe how deep his drop should be? Yeah, I, I think one of the things that works well against um, against this defense is to use these quick zero to one step drops, especially when you're in 11 personnel. Get the ball out of your hand quickly. Um, if that pressure becomes an issue. Now, the Bucks offensive line is a completely different story than the Chiefs offensive line. The Bucks have protected Tom Brady so well this season. Uh, the acquisition they made of Worfs at the left tackle has been incredible. Brady has been pressured the least of any quarterback in the NFL so far this season. Now, some of that's on the offensive line, but a lot of it is on Brady himself. Uh, analytics show that the quarterback actually owns a lot of the pressure rate that he ends up getting by the fact that he could choose when to get rid of the football uh, as quickly as he wants to, to reduce the amount of pressure. Brady's really good at distinguishing pre-snap where the reads are going to be where the hot routes are going to be so he already in his mind has started calculating where he wants to go with this football before the snap and he certainly does a great job of getting rid of the ball quickly but if this pressure starts to get to them with the creativity that spag spags loves to bring an extra blitzer, whether it's Tyron Matthew or a safety or a cornerback coming in. And some of those times are going to get close to hitting home. These quick zero to one step drops should have a lot of success against this defense. We saw some of the, the very few plays that worked for Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills against the Chiefs in the championship game came on these quick drops, zero to one step, get the ball out quickly. When Josh Allen was taking three-step or five-step drops, I mean, he was pressured most all of the time. I want to say that on third down specifically, I mean, the pressure rate was like 80% of his dropbacks on third down, he was pressured. And one of the big reasons why the Buffalo Bills only converted two out of nine third downs when they were passing the football was because of that pressure. So it's going to be critical for Brady to distinguish pre-snap what the pressure is coming from and make sure he's taking the right drop depth to get rid of that ball before the pressure gets there because his numbers like we said with Mahomes great under pressure Tom Brady not nearly as great under pressure so we got to try to figure out a way to get it out of his hands before that pressure gets there the Chiefs defense has been very good against the pass specifically against wide receivers so what does that mean for the other skill position players on the Bucks and who they should target and how they can get around that this was a big change that they actually figured out at one point 
at halftime, I think during the last game where they started out the game targeting the perimeter wide receivers, Tampa Bay and Tom Brady targeted the perimeter wide receivers at a, at a way high rate, way high rate in the first half. And those passes were very unsuccessful. The few times that he targeted his slot wide receivers though, very successful. So they came out at halftime, made some adjustments in the second half. They threw the ball 14 times to wide receivers, only three of those went to perimeter wide receivers. Hmm. 11 went to wide receivers lined up in the slot. Now, this is where Chris Godwin lives. Godwin runs most of his routes in the slot. But on occasion, Mike Evans will come down into the slot and catch passes from the slot, though he primarily works the perimeter. They saw substantial success using targets to the slot. Very little targets uh, success targets to the perimeter wide receivers, even in the second half, even though they reduced the number of times that they passed there, those passes still were very ineffective. The other things that they can do from a passing perspective, you know, they, they're the number one pass heavy team on second and third down. So they're going to be dropping back and throwing a lot of passes here, target running backs and target tight ends. The Kansas city chiefs linebacking core, not nearly as good in coverage. The perimeter wide receivers, very good in coverage. The kind of the interior defense, not nearly as good. Tight ends are going to have a big day here, in my opinion, for Tampa Bay. The trick is which tight end, because they've got Cam Brate, who has been running a lot more routes of late. And you've got Gronkowski, who had a ridiculously great game against Kansas City in that Week 12 matchup, but hasn't been running nearly as many routes right now. I think Cam Brate has a great opportunity to score a touchdown in this game. And because of the routes that he's going to be running, they're bad. Kansas City's really bad defending tight ends in the red zone near the near the end zone. But the other interesting thing here, Lindsay, with the tight ends is where are they aligned before the snap? Because Kansas City is much better when that tight end is split into the slot. We just talked about how slot wide receivers do much better than perimeter. That's because of the cornerbacks that are defending them. When we're talking about tight ends specifically, you don't really have cornerbacks defending tight ends in most cases. Tight ends that are split out as slot receivers against Kansas City, they match up really well and defend those guys much differently than tight ends that are aligned in line. And what that means for the people listening at home is that the tight end is lined up at the end of the line of scrimmage in a three-point stance, standing right next to one of the tackles, either on the left side or the right side. Looks like he might be blocking, but he actually goes out for a pass route. They're terrible defending those targets. That's where Gronk runs most of his routes. We talked about Godwin lives in the slot and Mike Evans lives in the perimeter well in this case Brait lives in the slot more often than not rob gronkowski aligns in the inline position and runs route at a much higher number than does uh, cam Brait. and so i think we're going to see a little bit more targets to rob gronkowski even though we haven't seen that much uh in the prior few games well that sounds fun a little rob gronkowski tom brady action in the super bowl we've seen that a few times in the past there's one other thing that you mentioned that i thought was very interesting i think chiefs fans have become accustomed to feeling like their team can come back from whatever because there have been so many comebacks in their team's history in the super bowl last year against the san francisco 49ers most notably perhaps um even last week against well two weeks ago against the bills you say that this time if they fall behind, that it will be much harder for them to come back, that we shouldn't necessarily expect that this time. Why is that? In general, it's difficult to pull off comebacks, but both of these quarterbacks do really well when they're ahead. Patrick Mahomes, I believe, is 31-0 and in his career 
as long as he's not dealing with short rest when he's up at halftime. And he's had a lot of success when he's up at halftime and holding on to that lead is going to be difficult for Tom Brady and company to pull off some comebacks against Patrick Mahomes. And on the other side of the ball, look, it's, it's, it's going to be difficult here for Patrick Mahomes as well, even though he is one of the best in the business at pulling these types of comebacks off because the pass rush we talked about maybe it's going to wear down uh, over the course of the game for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but their pass rush, even in the fourth quarter has been really, really strong over the course of the season. Um, so I really do think that it's imperative that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers optimize their play calling early in this game to prevent falling from behind. And I falling behind because I think if Kansas city's up big, that's going to be, just too big of a hill to overcome. The Bucks are going to have to go way past heavy here. They're ultimately going to end up, if they fall behind, targeting these perimeter wide receivers at a way too high mm -hmm. rate. That's the strength of the Kansas City Chiefs defense. And I, I think that they're going to run into to problems. So it's really going to be this first quarter is going to be fa a fascinating cat and mouse game to see um, who's able to win the chess match early on. And, and I think both teams are just hoping that they don't fall into a hole early in this game against these great offenses that they're going up against okay one last thing I want to throw a bone to anybody who isn't um if they're still listening um isn't as into all of the minutiae of the game as you and i are um what's a prop bet give me a prop bet or two that you really like in this one okay Lindsay, this is my favorite prop bet of the whole game does not okay. mean it's definitely going to hit but it's my favorite one at this point in time and i've probably bet around 15 and I'll probably add some more. You know, this year, you and I are talking from our houses and we would rather be in Tampa doing this in person. And maybe in the future, we'll be able to do one of these in person. But right now, all I can really do is sit at home and bet on props. And so I've been betting on a lot of props and I'm going to continue to do it. We got a few more days until the Super Bowl, but that's the thing. These books, they can't line the props perfectly. Different books have different numbers. A lot of opportunities here. One that I think is wrong. They lined it wrong is Leonard Fournette over three and a half catches. Now think about this. There are two running backs for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And so you might think, okay, well, they're spreading out the pass volume and look at all these great receivers that they've got. They've got uh, Rob Gronkowski. They've got Cam Brate. We talked about, of course, they got Mike Evans. They got Chris Godwin. They got Scotty Miller. They got a B if he's going to be able to play. I mean, look, do you know that the guy who led this team in receptions the last two weeks was Leonard Fournette. He's also second in team targets over that span in time as well. Tom Brady, keep in mind what he did up in New England. Tom Brady loves throwing to yeah. his running backs, throws to his running backs all the time, especially in the Super Bowl. James White, if you said his yes. uh, receiving your prop, uh, receptions prop at four and a half or five even, he'll go over that in the second quarter of the game. Um, there were so many passes to running backs. And I think in this game, the books made a mistake. They put this number too low. Uh, he's exceeded this number every single game in his last four. Um, and I think this number should be more like four and a half or five. So if you can bet over three and a half at like minus 140, minus 150, that's the juice. So you have to lay $150 to win a hundred. I'm, I'm okay with all of that. We bet it. it is my favorite prop uh, so far this Super Bowl that I found. I'm going to keep looking to see if I see other values, but it'd be hard pressed to find one that I think has a better chance of winning than that one. I love it. 
All right. I have written that down. I will be following your advice and passing this along to my husband. Thank you. Because he will definitely want to be betting all the props. I feel weird about placing bets. Anyway, all that time working for the league. Warren, thank you so much for being with us. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Lindsay. And we'll be right back with Demario Davis and Josh Norman after this. Hey, everyone. I'm Abner Mides, and I want to invite you to listen to my new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Mides. I am an ex-four-time world champion boxer, commentator, but most importantly, I am a husband and a dad. I will be talking about boxing, will be joined by many of my friends and colleagues, but I will also be talking about family, culture, community, and life with the people that have made me the person that I am today. So join me on my podcast, On the Hook with Abner Mides, a new podcast from Blue Wire. Subscribe wherever you are listening to the podcast. And we're back with two guys who know each other very well, though I'm not quite sure how. Cornerback Josh Norman from the Bills, linebacker Demario Davis from the Saints, both with all pro titles to their credit, and the most impressive list of off-field accomplishments. Every time I look up, you guys are in a different city together trying to tackle a major problem of the world. Uh, but first things first, hi. How you doing? Hey, how you doing? How you doing? How doing? <laughs> so how did you guys get to be friends? Because... I tried to find a connection, right? You haven't played on on the, the same team in the NFL. You didn't play together in college. How did you guys meet up and get to this point where you like team up to solve the world's problems? Well, we 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 started. That's what we did. We started, um, and how we did that. So the draft and everybody come in on the draft. Um, we had kind of the same agency at that time. Um, I think it was Sports Stars, and we all was in Parisi's down up in New Jersey. And so we was training um, with each other. I don't want to say we roomed with each other. And so every day we saw each other. (laughs) (laughs) And we ended up just going back and forth, and he was working out. And um, as a linebacker, and I was as a cornerback. And, you know, we were trying to beat our times and really try to, like – I guess, move upon the ranks of our drafting. And so, yeah. therefore, we was just very much so admirable about what we wanted um, from each other. And and so, therefore, that took off into being in the league. He was drafted by the Jets, and then I went to Carolina. So, um, but there was always admiration there, and it always was a friendship, and it developed over time. I know DeMar will probably and, tell you more. Yeah, yeah. And it, it was uh, – we had the you form relationship not because we trained together, but because we stayed with each other. So every morning we were getting up at the same time, training all day, coming back, and so that relationship we knew each other, um, and then seeing each other have uh, successful careers in different places, we just stayed in touch. Every time we would just check in on each other. But what really took off was the off the field stuff. Um, yeah both of us mutually feeling the same about a lot of the issues that were going on in our country. And um, we, we were talking all the time about those issues. And then one day Josh was just like, you know what, let's just go down there. And I'm like, bet, let's do it. And that kind of started something on a whole nother level. And Did this uh, start with the border situation? Is that like the first time that you guys really teamed up to do something? That was the first time that we really teamed up together because he has stars 24. I have devoted dreamers and we had just been working in our community doing our little part. And it was like, man, this problem is bigger in the world. It don't seem like nobody's trying to go in and solve it. Like people going in to take pictures and then they getting out. And so we was like, man, let's go. He was like, let's go. And so we got down there 
And we were like, no, we're going to be an answer to, to prayers. Like, we're going to stay on the ground, put boots on the ground and do work, like, and show people how to do work in the community. And it just started from there. So you guys went down, you brought supplies to the uh, kids that were imprisoned at the border. You then worked to bring clean clean water to Flint, Michigan. Problem up there. You guys uh, head up there to try and uh, get some work done in terms of solving that. And then last summer, we're all looking for areas in which we can help out in the area of social justice. And you guys are like, let's hit the road and travel America and talk to different um, police departments and community leaders and things like that. Uh, I, I think it's so admirable that you guys, I was just telling Josh before you hopped on tomorrow, you know, a lot of us are like, Ugh, what can what can I do in this thing? It makes me so mad. And I get so frustrated seeing these things that are happening in the world. And I think it's so admirable that you guys literally just pick up and go and put, like you said, boots on the ground and get to work. Yeah, that, I mean, in essence, and Josh will talk more about it is, that's our principle is you can't help the people if you don't go to where the people are. And that's what I think is happening in our country. We're looking for our politicians to provide leadership mm-hmm. and all our legislation officials, and we need them to provide leadership and direction. And a lot of times it's gotten to so much, they don't know how to con- connect with the people because they're not spending time with the people. All they go to the people for is votes. But yeah, you get their votes, but then what? Are you going to follow through on the promises that you that you said? Are you going into these neighborhoods? Are you spending time talking to the community leaders? And that's what we do. Every place that we go, we don't go in with our own agenda. We hear a cry. You know, we hear a cry. You see it going on in the news. We go to the place. Um, and we, we listen to the community leaders there. And those people most of the time have solutions. They just don't have resources. And so what we try to do is connect those city officials to the people who are actually doing the work. And a lot of times when we do that, and if, and the community, if the officials won't do it, we'll do it. Some of it, you know, even if it's in a small portion, but it's from our heart, that's what we do and show them. And a lot of times what we see is after we go to these cities and do something, then the city officials say, you know what, we ought to do something. Or, you know, they've shown us the way. And so that, that's happened at the border. Um, after we go down there, now you see all these city officials come in and try to make it look right. We go to Flint. All of a sudden, they open up all these dollars and start trying to fix the water system. Um, we, we're going to these cities like Minnesota and Buffalo and these places, and that's what we're doing. We're trying to create sustainable impact over time. And you only can do that by putting boots on the ground. Josh, why did you feel compelled to go do these things? Well, like I said, a lot of things that I do do um, is not of thine own hand, that's for sure. And it's not of my own thoughts. Um, Elohim, he really talks to me in, in a way in which, um, man, if, if something's going on and if it's a disturbance, like I kind of get directions from um, God himself and and how he directs my path and how I move and, and how we do things. It's just, you know, listen to his voice and, and he say, move here, we gonna move there. And, and, and a lot of times, you know, we get caught up in ourself more so than others. And, you know, when I didn't do something in the past, something happened that wasn't right. <laughs> you know, um, it was, I got burnt by a situation and I just found out that, you know, it's better to obey than disobey because it's just like the child that put his hand on the stove when you tell him not to. 
right, don't do it. <laughs> you do it, you get burnt. So for me, I'm just like, let me go and do exactly what he says when he said it, because if I don't, I know it's going to happen. So I just, you know, came, we came up with this and I was led to go out to these cities and help them and different places. And uh, we just moved that way. And DeMario, um, he's been my friend for many ages. And I knew he was someone that had the same kind of heart and a passion and desire to help people uh, as his, you know, father had given to him to do as much as I am. And so we just was a match made, you know, in heaven, as you would say, far as and it's just like, you know, if I would put this analogy, um, people need to see someone else go out first so they know it's safe. Yeah. You know? Like if you was to go out with your friends and if you was to jump in the water, they want to see you go first. (laughs) And they see you swimming. So I think a lot of it really is. It's like a lot of these problems that you guys are trying to tackle are like they just feel so big. And so it feels like I don't know, like where would I even start, you know, in terms of trying to do this? And so I think you're right. I think seeing you guys go out, just being like, you just do it. You know, here's where I'm gonna start. Let me offer you a path. And, mm-hmm. and be an example for you. And then Josh, you've done that on uh, not a smaller scale, but like more in your community as opposed mm-hmm. to going out and finding a problem out in the world. Even just recently with the pandemic, you've raised a half a million dollars for small mm-hmm. businesses in Buffalo yeah. to keep them open. It's, uh, you know, I could get emotional talking about what you guys <laughs> all do. And then Demario, you are a Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee. And we'll find out if you are the Walter Payton Man of the Year on Saturday at NFL Honors. What would that mean to you to win to win that? Because that that is a that is a big time award for for time. people who just who just look at like MVP and whatever. Like this is not just this is like who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was talking this morning on another interview, <clears throat> and it was really humbling to be on the call with the Payton family and all the other nominees. It's very humbling and, and, and a huge honor to be a part. Um, and it, it, it would be, you know, it would be an honor to win that award. Um, I was previously bestowed the, the, the Bart Star Award, which um, it, that was even more humbling, um, or if not the same, because it, 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 it balances in faith. And as Josh talked about, you know, being obedient to the Father is the most important thing. You know, to, to at the end of the day, all I want to hear is well done, my good and faithful servant. There's nothing that the world can give to me. I just want to hear I just want to hear those words. And so that meant a lot. It would be an honor to win that award. But what would be even more of an honor is if we can bring relief to the people who are hurting. And this is what I said this morning. When If we can get relief to the families and the businesses that are affected by COVID, if we can close the digital divide in education and other educational mm. disparities, if we can reform, truly reform our criminal justice system, if we can help police officers do their job better and better relate to the communities that they serve, if we can close the racial equity gap, and th- these are very big problems that you talked about, but it's almost like the man who was uh, trying to save all the starfish by the sea, and he was just throwing, he was throwing starfish by th- starfish into the sea, starfish by starfish, and somebody saw him, and it was a million starfish out there, and it was like, you're not going to be able to save all of them. He just picked up the next one. He said, I just saved that one. He threw another one. I just saved that one. He threw another one. I just saved that one. And that's really the mentality that you have to have. All you have to try to do is impact one life at a time. That's a change. 
people are not going to remember us for what we do. Nobody's going to remember how many uh, interceptions Josh got, how many sacks Demario got. But the people are going to remember when we're done, when we're gone. What did you do for them? I want people to be able to stand up at, at my funeral and say what I did for them, not what they saw me do, not what they read about, because we can do a lot and we can help a lot of people. But it's only the individuals that know. Like I, I mean, I don't want to be measured by what the world says. What does my wife say about me? What do my children say about me? Like those are the people who were impacted by me every single day. So if they can't sing my praises, then what the world saying doesn't doesn't matter. And so like that's the that's the mentality that we have to have. It's individual. It's person by person. And that person that you help, teach them how to go help somebody else, and then your life will multiply. And that's how you leave a legacy. Well, I the, the overarching point obviously understood there. I think you might be underselling whether people will remember what you did on the football field because you guys are both uh, crushing it in that department as well. Uh, coming off a season in which you guys both went very far into the playoffs, not as far as you wanted to go, obviously, as we sit here getting ready for a Super Bowl that involves the Chiefs and the Bucks, And those are two teams that you guys obviously know uh, pretty well, having played them between the two of you guys, some combination of times. Um, Demario, let me start with you. How do you, how do you see this game going? Do you have a favorite going in the Bucks or the Chiefs? In, in this game is very interesting. This, I'm not, I wouldn't say a huge football fan of watching the game. I love playing it, but not, you know, watching, I really don't watch it that much. Um, but playoffs, I do pay attention to. Uh, this is probably one of the games that I've probably been most excited to watch because they're they're so explosive. Both teams are very explosive. They both have um, the optimal quarterback. They both have a lot of skilled players. Um, they both have extremely good defenses. And so, and then it's almost the, the, the old generation versus old school versus new school. So you have totally. that dynamic dynamic plan plan on is it the old goal like passing of the torch type yeah, of situation yeah yeah is it a passing of the torch or the, or mm-hmm. or the uh or the old goal or not goal? not yet not yet young book and so uh i'm very excited to watch this game um i'm not rooting for either team if i had to pick no. a team if i had to pick a team that i say was gonna win i mean i'm a saint so i can't root for uh a no. cross-town rival so i gotta go with the chiefs and and so Tom Tom is a great great dude. I got a chance to to rock it with him this past off season. So you know I wish him nothing but the best. But I can't root for him just because that's you know that's 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 in town rival. So uh, across town rival. So I got I got to roll with the Chiefs on this one. What do you mean you rocked it with him this off season? Oh, I got a chance to to, to top it up with Tom a lot this off season. We got a chance to know each other a little bit better, which we hadn't had a chance to do in the past. Uh, we talking about all that's going on. Uh, with social justice, he was leaning in and wanting to know more um, uh, about how to get involved. He reached out. We talked talked with the Players Coalition. So we got a chance to talk. And then I got to talk with him a little bit about some of the stuff that that, that Josh and I uh, have going on. Um, so he had been able to just to lean in on some conversations. And in that time, I got to talk to him just, you know, about family and, you know, off the field stuff. And uh, I got a chance to know him better just in our conversation. And so... Uh, that was interesting, and my respect for him grew even more outside of what I know had how I had known him as a player. Just an unbelievable human being, um, a great husband, family man, um, you know, passionate about people. Just things I didn't really know about him, and so uh, that was uh, a great experience. And so having the chance to 
to, to, to learn about him in that fashion made me more of a fan of him um, than I was. But you're sorry, Tom. I can't rock Just this not this week. week. I can't rock yeah, this not week. week. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Josh? How do you feel about the game? You didn't play the Bucks this year, but you did play the Chiefs a couple times. Yeah, I did. And, and same for me. I hate them. <laughs> gosh man they spoiled a lot of dreams oh my gosh oh. but they are who they are like i mean <laughs> they top team in league for a reason the guys just don't quit they don't it's it's you think they have a chink in their armor and it's just they close it up so fast i mean you think you can beat them in one defense and then they learn that defense so well that they master it and they just set up and spot drop you and just hit you in the zones. I'm just like, oh my gosh, like how do you defend this? And you know, they do so much so well to the point they're so balanced, both equally running and passing. And and they can beat you at any given like turn. Um they don't have to throw 40 times a game, you know. And that's the the part that really like sticks with you, man. I mean, they got backs, they got people who they don't bring up from the practice squad or not even the practice squad. That's probably better than the people that's on the field. Like Hmm. they have like depth. (laughs) People probably don't realize that their defense has improved a lot since, you know, their offense has taken another level um, up. And that's even, you know, more than what it was before. So, I mean, these guys are, you know, they are video games, so it's a cheat code to play with them. <laughs> uh, but when you look at the other side of the ball with the Tampa Bay Bucks, you know, um, it's just like DeMario said, it's an old-school brash feeling to you. They got the two-headed monster backfield. Like, those backs are, like, legit. And they, I mean, 27 looks like a, I mean, shoot, man, that guy, how he runs the football, he runs angry. Yeah. <laughs> he runs very, very angry. And he has speed to like take it to the distance. And then you bring Fournette in there. So it's it's a combination of they do well, balanced run, and then they got Tom back there who's seen it all. Demario, one of the things that uh, we just talked to Warren Sharp, uh, kind of t- breaking down some of the analytics angles of this game and what might happen, probably what should happen in terms of uh, the numbers, what the numbers say, where the um, the most efficient ways to win for both teams. And one of the things that the analytics community has just been perplexed about with regards to the Bucks this year is how much they run the ball on first down and take the ball out of Tom Brady's hands on that particular um, situation. Is is that something that, that you noticed when playing them that makes sense? Is there a reason why they would do that? That that maybe the analytics story doesn't, where we're not looking at the full story there? Well, um, number one, <clears throat> the learning curve, why, why Tom needs to be commended for this season, first of all, is the learning curve that he had to undergo with no time to train with this team in the off season, having to learn his teammates and the chemistry. And they were picking up pieces as the season went on, right? Fournette and McCoy and uh, Antonio Brown. Important Just collecting pieces. everybody. Yeah. Hey, if you're good and you're able to come here. Yeah, That's yeah, good. yeah. And so creating chemistry is hard to do, right? Yeah. And so knowing how to get the ball to 
uh, Mike Evans, knowing how to get the ball to Gronk, which you know how to do, but getting it to him in a different system. Um, and there are other tight ends. And, uh, you know, you look at all these different pieces and dynamics that he had to, 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 to understand. But what most people don't even realize is um, the system that he was in before and the, and, and the system that he's in now, the philosophies are different. Um, you know, uh, Bruce's system is to take the ball vertical. And yeah. if, it's, if it's not there, kick the ball down. Tom has always been a short chip and, and go. And then if not, all this fails, then throw the ball deep. Yeah. So Just surgically, that's yeah. like, that's like telling a basketball player who's a three point shooter. Now all you want him to do is drive the paint. So that's a whole different and doing that at a high level. And so the fact that that learning curve was steep and that's why they had struggles early on, but they found their groove as the season went on. And I think that the reason why they're running the ball is because they realize this is something that works for them. So they're self-scout. And, it, and if it was the other way around, if spreading it five wide and throwing the ball five wide is what worked, they would be doing that. So I'm thinking, or it seems that they found that it's effective for them to run the ball um, on, first, on, on first down. But Tom's a game manager. He's if if he reads the defense and or if they studied a week and seen that it's it's not going to be beneficial to run the ball on first down, I'm pretty sure they'll they'll, they'll come out and, and have a different philosophy. But when they played us in our game, it was just about managing just managing the game. It wasn't about Tom coming out and throwing for 400 yards. It was just about managing the game and minimizing mistakes. And that's what they did. And I think, you know, it was four turnovers to zero. And that that was, you know, the game. And if you look at even in the midst of uh, when they played Green Bay the, the following week, they had a few mistakes, but they had less mistakes than Green Bay had. And so I think running the ball and running the ball effectively gives a chance for them to minimize mistakes, which can happen a lot when you have these philosophies, you know, kind of works and it hasn't had time to fully mesh. And so minimizing mistakes keep them effective. Let the defense keep us in the game and they know if it comes down to the end, Tom will win it for them. And that's what they've been able to do. Josh, you spent one year in Buffalo. You're free agent now, right? This year, yeah. 2021. Uh, what do you What do you want to happen? Um, I have fun, man. Um, I, I I really want to have a a a break open just can of whoop. You know what? <laughs> literally um of course of course i i need that championship though that that is something that i'm still yet um we're fighting for i know demario's in the same boat we're fighting for that i think if we can get that in 10th year that is solidify everything we're done and hey i had a great run (laughs) it's been a wild ride where i probably sell on off into the sunset somewhere and do what we're doing now. So you're looking to go to a team next year where you can (laughs) make a legit run. Maybe that's Buffalo. Maybe that's back to Buffalo. Uh, Make a legit run, win the chip and peace everyone out. Yeah. You know, like if you ever seen the mask of Zorro, you know, and how he had got on his steed and he had um, was riding in (laughs) and then at the end he, he was ran up in the air. That's me off into the sunset, right up in the air. So, 
So we'll bring, we'll make sure there's a horse in gotta Los have, Angeles next have, year because that's where the Super Bowl is. Got it. And have, have that ready with the confetti and you'll ride off the field. I'm sure that the NFL will totally allow that. That'll be no problem at all for you, <laughs> hey, Josh. Man, it's the last one. Might as well. Last ride. <laughs> it's the last tell me, tell me about, tell me about Buffalo because it feels like Buffalo, like, I mean, you're looking at the, the Chiefs, right? Mm-hmm. In the AFC and it's like, I, I, that's a tough team to knock off, but it feels like Buffalo is that team, right? That oh, might no, just listen. be that team that gets there. What What'd you see there this year? What'd you observe in in this year in Buffalo with Josh and and the people there about what they're building? Like it's definitely be done. Don't get me wrong; um, it definitely be done. Uh, when Wade came to our house, um, I think they beat us by three or six points, whatever the case may be. Um, they they beat us there. Um, and I guess we was going back and forth and we had search late, um, to get the ball back. Um, I think we ended up having a fumble, but they rooted it down. So they got the ball back and they went down and scored. And so, um, going in that second one, you know, the AFC championship game, they got it home. <laughs> and I think that was a huge, one of the huge factorings of that situation when they ended up getting that home field advantage. That is, that's a monster. But then again, yeah. they, they are that much. They are really well, they are really balanced. Um, it's they, it's still a, a huge team. factor that home field, even, even now with COVID and like 20,000 people in the stands. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you gotta think about it. Their stands felt like they had like every bit 50 to 60 people, 50, 60,000 people in there still with just 16. That was loud. That was really loud. Yeah. But then again, like they're how they managed the game and how they just kept their foot on the pedal. Shoot. They probably would have kind of, they would have asked us probably out in Buffalo because of how it was, but we would have been closer because our fans, they would have been rowdy. I mean, if you heard the game that we played last week, the game before that, our 6,700 60, fans felt like 50,000 in there. It was yeah. rocking. It was Well, really that Bill's Mafia is no joke. It's no joke. So I felt yeah. like that energy would have like, like permeated through us and it would have came out onto the field. But hey, look, they got the job done. So you can't, you know, home field disadvantage, whatever. But um, I think that would have been a little more juice we would add. But hey, we got to be better. They got to be better for next year, season and, and get that, you know, home field advantage for that championship game. Demario, what about you guys? Okay, I I know it hasn't been announced yet and nobody, and so we can't talk about it. So I'm not going to ask you to talk about it. But yeah. I all know Drew's going to walk away, right? Like that scene on the field afterward was way too emotional to be like, yeah, I'm just kidding. I'm coming back. Um, but anyway, like I said, I know that you can't talk about it because he hasn't announced anything yet. So, but you guys are like in the red from a salary cap standpoint right? Like $112 million. You got to like close that gap to go make moves in the off season. And so if you're also looking to fill that quarterback position and Jameis is a free agent and Taysom is there too. um, I'm just wondering what kind of headspace you guys are in. Cause I know that you're like, okay, foot to the gas. We find a way. Um, What is it about Sean Payton and what you guys have there culturally that makes you feel like despite all of these odds, you're going to find a way to get back in it and you'll be competitive again next year whether or not you have Drew Brees under center yeah I think they've done a good job our front office has done a phenomenal job of building the right culture it's a winning culture um 
you know, unfortunately, unfortunately, we haven't been able to get it done, you know, these last few years in the playoffs. Um, but, you know, we've had tremendous success in all the regular seasons. And at the end of the day, that can't be discredited. Um, though we haven't got it done, only one team is going to win it every year. That's regardless. Uh, if there are 31 other losers. And so um, thing, the thing is, you can look at it and say, you know, we're closer to the mark than a lot of other teams. And, um, and so – it, will there be any kind of drop off? You know, um, every year you got to rebuild from the from the bottom up. Everybody starts at the same place, but with our culture, with so many people on the team with experience, um, I know our front office is gonna you know make it work in a way that we're right back at the starting gate, ready to go uh, with everything that we need to get it done. And so, uh, a lot of tough decisions are gonna make, be made. Uh, they've done a great job of bringing in a lot, a lot of great players. Uh, and, you know, it's rare. And that's, that's one of the, the, the reasons why we wanted to get it done uh, in these years, because we know it's rare to have that many Pro Bowl worthy players, that many all pro worthy players. Mm. I mean, we got several positions, offensive line, defensive Jeez. line, cornerback, safety, receiver, running back, quarterback. But we got, you know, top five guys at their position. And so to have that, you know, it's, it's, it's just rare. And, and, and to be able to sustain over a long period of time, guys are going to get new contracts. Um, mm -hmm. Guys are going to demand, you know, certain salaries. Um, you know, guys that you drafted, their contracts are going to come up. And a lot of times that comes up at the same time. And so uh, that's, that's kind of a dilemma that, that they're in. But our front office knows, uh, like, how they built this roster. They know how to make the decision. Um, and we have such a continuity and leadership in our locker room. Um, not that you would ever want to lose anybody, but we can afford to lose, uh, right. you know, a few guys that, that may get new opportunities in different locations um, or whatever needs to may be done that the locker room can sustain. It's just a great culture. It's a winning culture. And so uh, when it's all said and done, I know a lot of moves will have to be made. A lot will have to be done. I'm glad I don't got that job. Uh, right, but I but I'm excited about uh, whichever of my brothers uh, return that we return together to that locker room to get 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 back at it and, and swing the axe again. Yeah, you guys just crushed it this year. I mean, the all of the things that you had to go through with you know Drew leaving for <laughs> that chunk of time that he did, and then Sean Payton I think coached his ass off this year. Uh, I don't know that he gets enough credit for um, some of the positions that he put you guys to succeed in and um your defense because i know everyone talks about your offense because camara is a video game and then michael thomas and drew but like your defense balled the frick out <laughs> like you guys were so so stinking good and for my money and also i think when you look at it from an analytic standpoint taking camara out of the mix like you guys are why you were where you were at the end of the season so congratulations on all that you were able to accomplish are you over the way the season ended yet? Like how long does it take to shake that off when you have such high aspirations of kind of going all the way? And then all of a sudden it's like, Err. it's, is 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 you never really get over losing. Um, I don't think better ever gets over losing. Um, never. That'll drive you until, until you, you win. I think for me, I'm able to put it into perspective and understand that, you know, it, it, it's a game that we get to play uh, at the end of the day and we lost but it's a lot of people who are dealing with a lot more, right? And so 
Um, it's people who, who are dealing with life and death. It's people who are dealing with uh, financial problems and burdens. And so I'm able to put it in perspective, like, you know, it's not the end of the world that we lost the game. But I think the hard part, and I think this is kind of uh, psychologically unhealthy, is having to remind yourself of that perspective every time you go watch a football game. So <laughs> I get over it one week, and then the next week I got to watch Tampa Bay beat Green Bay and know that we could have been in that game. And then you get over it, and now I got to go watch Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl. And so it's like it's just like a wound starting to heal, and then you yeah. have to rip, mm-hmm. rip the Band-Aid off of it again. Then it starts to heal, and you dig in a little bit more. And so, like, that's the only thing. I think when it's all said and done, I'll be able to be a little more at peace. But as long as the playoffs are going on, it's like, you know, I try to get over it. But it, as soon as I watch the game on Sunday, every person that in the NFL probably is thinking the same thing, I should be out there. You know, yeah. and so, and you know, and that's what motivates you in the offseason. And then the game will happen and we will crown a champion and then the true healing can begin. And then you guys will get back to work saving the world. Um, are you like working on anything together here? Do you have any plans? What's next? I don't think I don't think anybody's ready for what we have this story wow. to roll out. Stay tuned. Yeah. Do you guys really have stuff or is it just like wait till the next crisis happens and then you pick up the phone <laughs> and call and say, like, hey, let's hit well, the road? Well, well, I can say this. It, it'll be a, a solution to the crisis, <laughs> to the problem. That's for sure. Um, it's really too big to put into words, I, I think. I, I think just from on its face, we'll do it a disservice just to really say. Um, but I do know that is definitely a um, it's a white knight. It's a game changer. For Ooh. real. For real. I mean, oh, yeah. the world is, our country is, is, is not out of crisis. You know, it's just that we don't have many people out in the street. We, we still have a lot of problems <laughs> that are coming up. Of but course. That's what happens a lot, of, a lot of times people show up for the pictures. Okay, well, it's time to do the work. You know, all, everybody was, that was marching in the streets, we need that same energy when it comes to the work. Don't worry. Josh and Demario are here. We're going to show you the way. <laughs> we are here. <laughs> and so when the, plane gets, when the plane gets rolled out, all we need to say is, okay, people, the ship is here. Get on. Okay. Well, call me up and let me know when the ship is leaving so oh, that yeah. I can get on. Because oh, yeah. I want to get on. You guys are inspiring. Oh, yeah. uh, Demario, one more thing. I want to ask you about the Shield One program. Um. We have a lot of pieces that are in place that we don't want to. We want to wait. That we don't want to launch it too. We don't want to launch it prematurely. But just know that Shield One is there for crisis relief, and we have a plan that is being rolled out as of right now. You can go on the website and look at it at ShieldOneFoundation.org, um, and you can see kind of the layouts. But we don't want to put that out there because we have. Um, a lot of things that are in the work that we want to solidify, but people are hurting and people need answers and they need real solutions. And they're looking for uh, leadership to hear their cries. And we want to make sure that their voices get heard. And so for cities all over our country, we want to step in and help build bridges from the people who are crying on the ground to the people who can bring answers. And that's what we're doing uh, through Shield One. And so, so much more, so much more uh, is on the way, and that ship is coming. And you said you want to be on board when we come. So be- I do. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'll, Who I'll knows? Who knows? Some guys we talked about is probably already on that ship. 
but we're not going to say. <laughs> you guys are just like a tease here. What is this? I feel like there's an inside joke that I don't know about, and I'm trying to figure it out anyway. Okay, so uh, thank you so much for doing this, you guys. I really appreciate um, you making the time to talk to me about the football and the real-life stuff, and um, I just really have so much respect for both of you guys and appreciate all the things that you do. Thank you for your time. I enjoyed this. Always. You always uh, a true lesson. Thank you for this. As for those of you listening, enjoy the game safely, please. We don't want to deal with some big spike that shuts everything down after the Super Bowl. And then join us here for more NFL Roadshow on Tuesday. Break it down.